This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. You can ruin your marriage by the things you do or don't do to maintain it. Listen today to learn three surefire ways to ruin your marriage. For show notes and additional content, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash ruin. Marriage is like a house, and that has been our theme for the whole year. We've kind of talked about everything in light of that whenever I could. Sometimes I can't always be that creative, but marriage is a lot like a house. It's a lot like fixing up a house. There are things you can do or not do in a house that really can make or break the property. You can ruin a property by not maintaining it. When things break and you don't fix it or you don't do preventive maintenance, over time, you're going to have some serious problems in your house or the property that you own. It may even get to the place where you can't even live there anymore. Marriage is the same way. If you just ignore your problems or refuse to work at preventing problems before they happen, things can really get bad. I mean, over time, those things can build up and really make your marriage, even like that house is unlivable, Make your marriage that way. We don't want to live together anymore. Today we're going to consider some of the things that you can do, that you do, that ruin your marriage. Number one, ignore your spouse. If you want your marriage to fall apart, which we don't, but if you want your marriage to fall apart, ignore your spouse. Listening is a key part of succeeding in the marriage relationship. It's like my relationship with God. Knowing that he listens to me gives me comfort and security in the fact that I know that he's listening to me when I pray. Listen to this. This is 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him, knowing that he cares enough to listen to what I have to say. And knowing that your spouse cares enough about you to listen to what you have to say, it creates that same type of comfort and security in your relationship. Likewise, if you don't listen to your spouse, there's no security, there's no comfort in that relationship. It's like, it's like saying, I don't care about what you have to say If I'm not listening to you, I don't care enough. What you have to say is not important enough for me to take the time to listen to it. Here's a new method. I call this the listen method. So this might be hard to write down, but I will do my best to have the notes on our website, fixerupermarriage.org. I'll try to have that up by Wednesday. So you can see this chart. This is called the, the listen method. And it's an acrostic here. So listen, L I S T E N. Listen, this is a method to learn how to listen. Number one, listen, the L means look at your spouse. L means look at your spouse. Make eye contact when you are listening. Even if you are multitasking, sometimes we say we're multitasking. I cannot do that. I cannot. If if I tell you that I'm multitasking, I'm not doing it. It's, It's not happening. 
If I tell you that I can keep changing the brakes while you're talking to me about something important, it's not going to it's not happening. I'm not going to hear a word you're saying because I'm engrossed in what I'm doing. So make eye contact. Look at your spouse. That's a key to listening is to make eye contact, to pay attention. Giving your undivided attention lets your spouse know that you really care about what they're saying. My wife cares so much about what I have to say that she stopped what she's doing and she's looking at me. Or even if she's still doing something that she's taking the time to make eye contact with me. So I know that she cares about what I have to say. The I is for initiate conversations. Initiate conversations. How about this? If you care about your spouse's life, if you care about your spouse's day, ask them about how their day went. I've been at work all day. How has your how has your day been, honey? How was your day at work? By initiating conversations, you help teach yourself to listen. You're becoming involved in that. It confirms to your spouse that you actually care. You mean you actually care about how my day was at work? Or you actually care about how things were at home while you were at work? By initiating conversation, it gets you involved in listening. The S is for support. Support your spouse when listening. Listen with understanding. Practice. How about this? Practice listening so you can kind of summarize what your spouse is saying to you. That means you're paying attention enough to know that you could kind of summarize what your spouse has said to you. So support your spouse when listening. I'm listening to the point where I could summarize what you've told me. The T is for talk. Talk with your spouse. That means to participate in the conversation. It sends an unmistakable message to your spouse that you not only care about what they're saying, but you want to be involved in their life. Not only am I listening to you, but I'm also involved in this conversation. If my wife is talking about something of her family's going on and this is going on with so and so or her aunt or her uncle or someone that she knows. And so if I care about what she's saying and I don't know exactly who she's talking about, I may say, oh, are you talking about the one we were with at Christmas that said such and such or the one with the Christmas and the, the uncle with the funny looking hat on or the guy that sat in the corner and didn't say anything. It was like me. He didn't say anything the whole time we were at the Christmas thing. You're talking about him. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. So I'm engaged in the conversation. I am talking with with my spouse. It's, it's that you're involved and what's important. The E is for engage in the conversation. Ask follow-up questions to learn about the context of the conversation. Just talk with your spouse. Be engaged with them. The N is for nourish the conversation. Keep the conversation with your spouse alive in you. Learn to enjoy talking with your spouse. We all have hobbies that we like to do, things that we like to do. I, sometimes I have a hobby, it's something I like to do, and I like never do it. Has that ever happened to you? Is I'm the only person that that ever happened to? Someone took me golfing one time, and I absolutely loved it. I was terrible at it, but I loved it. And I keep saying, I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to go again because I loved it so much. In fact, I even bought a used set of golf clubs from a friend. I thought, I'm going to go golfing. I've been to the driving range once or twice. And the terrible thing is, I mean, the really bad thing is, I almost live on the golf course. I, on the way home from church today, I'll drive by the golf course and see it. It's crazy. But we all have hobbies, right? We have things that we like to do. So let listening to your spouse be one of those hobbies. 
nourishing the conversation that we're having together. I'm keeping a conversation going with you. I'm making listening to you my pastime. Three surefire ways to ruin your marriage. One is to ignore your spouse, but learn how to listen and greatly improve your marriage. Stop talking about yourself. This is something that a lot of people do when they start talking. And a lot of us do this, right? It's something we care about. So we just start to talk about ourselves. You know, when you talk about things that are important to you, you expect your spouse to listen to you. But here's something. Your spouse may have some things important to say, too. So sometimes you just need to stop talking and learn how to listen to your spouse. They may have some things important to say as well. It may be time to just for you to stop talking and listen to what your spouse has to say. This is when listening becomes something incredibly intimate. To think that my spouse is so interested about me that she would stop talking about what she cares about and listen to what I care about. It's so personal that it makes like passion just flame. I mean, it's the most intimate thing in this world to have that you care so much about one another that you're willing to listen about, listen about what's important to each other. For example, have you ever experienced God answering a prayer for you? In my years of being saved, of being a Christian, I have experienced this, that I've prayed and asked God for things, and he gives me those things. And sometimes I don't tell anyone else what I'm praying about, and he answers those prayers for me. I'm ashamed that I don't have more answer. I don't see more answered prayers because I don't put forth the effort like I, I should. But he does answer prayer for me. It's because he's so personal. And I would highly recommend that you ask God for specific things. You can see this in James chapter four in verse number two and three. It's like your faith in him just explodes when he does this. It's like God was listening to me. God cared so much about me that my little simple prayer request, he listened to what I have to say. And now my faith in him just explodes. You know what? It's the same way in marriage. My spouse actually listened to what I had to say. And your marriage just explodes. If I know that my spouse is listening to me, it brings so much joy into my marriage. And it's this another way, just another many ways that your marriage reflects the gospel story. And you listen to each other. He loves me with a love so intense that it inspires him to listen to what I have to say. And your love for your spouse should be so intense that it inspires you to listen to what they have to say. So if you want to ruin your marriage, Ignore your spouse. If not, learn how to listen. Number two, if you want to ruin your marriage, be greedy. Be greedy. And most of the time, if we're honest, we are very greedy people. The gospel story involves a giving that is just unimaginable. God gave the son. You could quote this verse, right? John 3, 16, it's quoted everywhere. People that don't really even know what it means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. What have everlasting life? 
for God so loved the world that he gave his son. It was a gift that God gave his son to us. He traded his son who had done no wrong for guilty, unworthy sinners like you and me. It was a trade for people who cared absolutely nothing about him for the chance that we would put our faith in him. I don't think that we'll ever really understand what all, how giving that was until we finally get to heaven. It's not just in the act of forgiveness. It's just what he has promised us in eternity. It's found all through the, all throughout the New Testament that salvation is something that impacts us for eternity, not just right now. This is verse, I think I said this last week, 1 John 3, 2. What an amazing verse passage of scripture this is. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now are we the sons of God. In that simple phrase, it expresses what Jesus did for us. How much God gave. He gave his son so that I could be called his son. Now are we the sons of God. He so completely gave himself away that we become the son of God. We become sons of God. He has in love, literally given everything for you and me. He willingly laid down his life for us. Listen to this. Greater love. We can quote this, right? John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than in a man lay down his life for his friends. It's a choice that he willingly made because he loved us so much that he gave absolutely everything. He laid everything out for us. And it's so pathetic when we try to give back to him, right? His part of salvation was perfect. But then my giving back to him is such a long process. Lord, now I'm giving you this part of me. Or now I finally, after years of knowing you, now I'm finally going to surrender this part of my life to you. It's so pathetic the way we try to struggle in surrendering and giving back to him. But that's the way salvation works. It's in giving. And the act of marriage is the act of giving. When you make the sacred vows before God to give your, you are giving yourself away to your spouse. Marriage is a commitment to give yourself unreservedly to your spouse, to the one you love. It is the closest act to the gospel story that this world has to offer today is a man and a woman at a wedding altar giving their lives and hearts to one another. You are giving, what you're saying is I'm giving away everything because I love this person that I'm giving it to. And this is in a divine plan of the creator. This is why he made you. This is why he made you the way you are. This is why he made man. This is why he made woman. This is why he created marriage. It's an act of giving yourself away. The following are some things that you should give away to your spouse. And consequently, these things mirror the gospel message. Number one, your heart. You should give your heart away to your spouse. Marriage is the act of giving your heart away. To open yourself up to someone else with the possibility of being destroyed 
to make yourself that vulnerable, that's what it means to give yourself away to your spouse. It's like the chance that Jesus takes with us. He lays out absolutely everything. And what's the chance that we could reject him? That's what real love is. It's making the decision to risk completely giving your heart away. Don't hold back anything from your spouse. Give every ounce that you have into your marriage. Give your heart away. In giving, you do like God has given for you. You give everything. Your heart, your body. It was on the cross where Jesus gave his body away. We've all read it. I've read it hundreds of times. I've heard it preached hundreds of times. It was on the cross. He willingly gave himself away for you. He laid down his life. He gave up his body for us. This is what we do in marriage. We give our bodies away to one another. And this was God's plan from the beginning. If you want to read more about it, you can read Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 25, that whole chapter, or verse number 25 will tell you what I'm trying to express to you today. That in the act of marriage, you're giving your body away to your spouse. You completely in love, willingly give yourself away. It is the act of love. In doing this, we give ourselves away to our spouse in the same way that God gave himself away to us in the gospel. He laid down his life. He laid down his body for us. And that's what we do for one another when we inside the marriage covenant. Your time, your time is the most valuable thing you own. It's the one thing that you can never get back. Love is taking your time and giving that time to the person that you love in marriage. Giving your time away to your spouse. Give that time to your spouse to talk to them. In taking the time that you may have wanted to spend on something else. When you take that time and you talk and you listen to your spouse, you're giving that time to them. When you go on a date with your spouse, of all the things you could have done, you are giving your time to your spouse. In holding each other, you are giving your time to your spouse. One of the most amazing things about being a Christian is the time that he takes to spend with me. I have to say that's one of the most incredible things about being a Christian. Not just being forgiven, not just being saved, not just having a home in heaven, but despite all my faults and failures, despite all my feeble attempts to get back to him, he spends time with me. He gives his time to me. And marriage is about giving your time away to someone else. This is my time. I'm giving it to you because I love you. You give your years, your time, your years to your spouse. Marriage is basically saying, I love you so much that I want to grow old with you. I'm giving myself to you for the rest of my life. It's a lifetime commitment for better or for worse. God designed marriage as a lifetime commitment. In this way, marriage shows, reflects the commitment of the gospel to us. His commitment is not momentary. His commitment is not wrapped up in emotion. His commitment is eternal. It never changes. We have a commitment from God. It's an eternal commitment that will be with him forever in heaven. That's what we commit to do in marriage to one another. We commit to spend a lifetime together.
the act of marriage is in giving yourself away. So if you want to ruin your marriage, ignore your spouse, be greedy. And number three, never compromise. If you want to ruin your marriage, just go ahead and say, I'm never going to compromise. This is when marriage gets hard, when you don't get your way. It's submitting your will for the happiness and betterment of the person you love. And it's found in the Bible instructions for husbands and wives. In fact, it's like the preamble. It's like God puts a title before he starts telling the husband and wives the details about what they're supposed to do. It's like he puts his title there. Listen to this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I want to sum it all up. God says, this is the way it works. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. To be honest, this is a verse that's incredibly hard to live. After all, we're all about the pursuit of happiness, right? I want to pursue myself being happy. But really, it's not in making myself happy. It's in making someone else happy. It's in seeking the happiness of someone else. You should be in the pursuit of making your spouse happy. That's where the real joy in life is at. This is a principle that's burned into the scriptures. That Christ submitted himself for the sole benefit of us. He submitted himself to the cross because he loved us that much. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for what? The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He gave himself away. He gave away what he wanted so that the benefit of us. That's the way it works in marriage. You find joy by giving yourself away. Do it. It's okay to let your spouse have what they want. It's ingrained in our sinful nature to seek what we want, even if it's at someone else's expense. But if you'll learn to compromise and let your spouse get what they want, you learn the joy of giving yourself away. It's the secret of marriage that you find what you really want by giving what you want away. There is joy in letting go of yourself and embracing another. This is what Jesus did in the gospel. He found the joy of embracing the needs and wants of others when he gave his life for us. The word compromise has just received a bad rap over the years, hasn't it? It just has a bad connotation with it. I'm not compromising. Well, you don't have to compromise your principles. You don't have to compromise the word of God. You don't have to compromise what you believe in. But guess what? You can compromise what you want. It's okay to compromise. Even though your inner toddler may say no way, it's okay to let your spouse have what they want. Make it your goal to discover what your spouse wants. Work at finding what your spouse wants and give it to them. Study them to understand what they want and give them what they want. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know how this works. That God just... It's like he just figures out what you want and he gives it to you. God has given me things I didn't even know I wanted. How did you know I wanted that, God? But you gave it to me. That's the way it should be with your spouse. I figured out what she wants and I'm going to give it to her. Marriage is about giving away who you are. Three surefire ways to ruin your marriage in summary. 
three surefire ways to ruin your marriage. Number one, ignore your spouse. Number two, be greedy. And number three, never compromise. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.